We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. We are ready to roll. Opening day is behind us. And here we are in day two. In the immortal words of Jake Taylor from Major League, you got 161 of these more to go, kids. So just settle in. We got a long, long year ahead of us. I'm Joe Pizzapia. Welcome to the Rotowire DFS podcast. And joining me tonight, the one, the only from Master Ball, the man, the myth, the legend, Todd Zola. Todd, how are you? Did you enjoy your opening day? I enjoyed both of them, actually. Yeah, although. Yeah, no, yeah, I enjoyed it. I uh, had a lot of work to do, but that's just, you know, that's what we do, right? So when baseball season starts, work starts. So It's amazing what happens that first day of baseball season. I don't know about you, but after doing a season of football where you're condensing everything into those, you know, basically Sunday with a couple of the wraparound games. But I feel like that first day of baseball, when you're working in this industry, you go, my God, there's a lot of games. It's <laughs> just like a wake-up yeah. call again where you just realize it again. You go, wow, back to the grind of this daily thing where you've got, you know, 15 games some nights. Yeah, I was talking to our uh, Rotowire colleague, Jeff Erickson, over the weekend in Las Vegas. You know, we're both old school. We both think the Reds should start the season, the first game, and then everybody else play. I mean, I, I kind of liked having three games on Sunday, and that means there's three fewer today, and you can get a little bit more action in. But, man, you know, it's still it's still baseball. It still should be the Reds. People are just saying the Reds opening day? What's that, what's that all about? Well, kids, that's the way it used to be. The Reds had to throw out the first, you know, throw out the first pitch in the first game, and then other teams were allowed to play. I don't know why it was the Reds. There's, you know, someone out there probably knows the history better than I. But, you know, whatever. Sunday we played three games, short DFS slate, a little bit larger on Monday. On Tuesday it's still, a, it's still an abbreviated slate just because a lot of the East Coast teams and teams that possibly could rain on Monday have an open day on Tuesday so they can get their open, you know, whoever has opening day tickets can still go, on, uh, at least in theory, on the Tuesday. So the Tuesday slate is not as packed as what we'll usually be talking about. No, that's true. And I, we were talking about this the other day too. Uh, DVR myself talking about how you, you know, it's you opening day is so unique because you have all of those aces on the mound at once. And that's 
probably yeah. one of the only times that's really going to happen where everything's going to line up like that, where you got all the number ones basically right. out there one time. So it's a little bit trickier from that sense. But, you know, right now we turn the page and already into the second game uh, for many of the teams. And yeah. let's get to it. Let's get right to some of the pitchings. Let's start with the pitching slate. Uh, obviously, you got the top of the board. Over on FanDuel, you've got the Ariettas, you got the Carrascos, you got the Cuedos yeah. in terms of those big-time cash game pitchers. And with the change now in quality start, that does put some of these other guys in play. Uh, of these top three, is there one of them that really kind of is more appealing to you in terms of, look, I'm looking for the easy cash game guy that I think I can build that lineup around? Is it Arietta with that Wainwright matchup? You know, of those, the three that you mentioned, I don't know, when I play cash, I want my, I want my pitch. I'm, 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 you know, I'm really, really uh, – What's not, not not jealous? What's the word I'm looking for? Selfish. Mm, yes, big, selfish. Big, big difference between jealous and selfish. Although I maybe not. Anyway, I'm selfish. <laughs> I want I want him to I want him to check several boxes. I want him to check home team box. I want him to check pitching against a really bad team box, and I want the guy to. I want him to go. I, I want to be confident he's going to pitch six or into the sixth anyway. Hopefully into the seventh, maybe six and a third, six and two thirds, and quite you know none of these none of the three check all the boxes a couple of them don't even check two so i mean i have a different cash game picture i'm looking at carrasco uh i don't know if he's stretched out enough texas is a tough uh, tough environment to work in uh arietta's close i mean st louis is a grinding team can how, how far into the game was he going to go with that bullpen and quaid well you know quato is is the cash game gold i mean he's one of my favorite cash game pitchers he's just so reliable arizona is a tough place to pitch so none of them are, I mean, I, ideal. If I had to pick one, I'd probably go to Cueto just because the man is going to go say, you know, he's going to pitch into the, into the seventh, whether he completes it or not, I don't know. But it is a tough park, and it's a, it's a lineup that can get to him. Well, I'll tell you what, too. I mean, looking at what we saw out of day one from the San Diego Padres, I'm sure none of us are really surprised by what happened in that game. And going back to that well again for Kenta Maeda, I can't see being a bad – I mean, I feel like we're going to be targeting – San Diego Padres until further notice. This could be a hundred loss team. The way I'm looking at that, that rotation and that lineup with so much inexperience there as well. I mean, it's bad news there. And I'll tell you what, the opposite train too. I mean, we're talking about guys going, you know, having great springs and now coming into here. Patrick Corbin on the rebound, uh, very opposite in terms of ownership. If you're looking for GPP plays, I mean, I'm pretty confident that Corbin give me a quality start. That Corbin can give me some decent strikeout numbers. Uh, is that uh, something either of those two guys under your consideration as well? No, my problem with Maeda, and uh, at some, I'm sure at some point we'll talk Kyle Hendricks as well when he's on their slate. Great, uh, nice pitchers, but they don't go deep into games. Their managers don't trust them. I know Hendricks wants to go deeper into games, but I'll believe it when I see it with Joe Madden. And they, they, don't, they both don't strike out a ton of batters. They're just they're good pitchers. But to me, they're not cash game aces. Uh, I call it the rule of 13s. It's in form. I don't have a – I'm a numbers guy. I don't, I, can't, I don't have a study to show this. But in my head, I want my pitcher in a cash game. I want to be confident he's going to score. I, told, I mean, add him up 13 uh, strikeouts plus innings. You know, it could be mm-hmm. you know, six, six with seven, seven innings, whatever. Right, right. I, I want I – mean, that's kind of my baseline as what I – you know, certain slates, they may not – there may not be somebody. So, Cueto is the guy you – know, he doesn't strike out a ton of guys either. He's, you know, as they say, just enough to be dangerous. But he does go deep into games. So of those four guys, Cueto, I, I think, or three, um, is my cash game guy with those three. I think I mentioned, well, I'm sure we'll talk about him. I have another one that I actually will probably use tomorrow. De- uh, Corbin's tough for me. He's a tough call just because, remember, before he got hurt, everybody loved him, but 
he was one of those guys that we all screamed, you know, was out pitching his peripherals. Right. Is we just don't know if he was out pitching his peripherals or if there's something in his in his game that he can out pitch. You know, we're learning more and more statistics every day. You know, it's not just you know it's not just Voris McCracken's whip, you know, BABIP anymore. There's other things involved. But then he got hurt, so I don't think we still know if it was lucky that year or if he's good. <laughs> so in the back of my mind, I, I, we don't know yet. We, in two, those two years that we were deprived of of learning, you know, people think he, you know, I think scouts think he's good. People that watch them think he's good. Um, I, I've watched them. I don't, I don't know. I don't, I, I'm not sure yet. So I'm actually not, you know, listen, we, we're going to talk GPP a lot and it's a completely different mindset. I'm kind of a safer cash game. DFS player. I understand GPP, you know, methodology and that sort of thing. I just have a hard time choosing a guy because it might happen. And I know that's the game theory behind GPP DFS and it's nothing wrong with it, mm -hmm. but I'm just more comfortable relying on things that I think will or should happen. than I choose a guy because it might happen, which, you know, that's kind of, you know, that's one of the skills of being a successful DFS GPP player. And it's kind of, you know, your, your own personal DNA, how you're wired. And that's, and that's important, I think too, for the people listening who are just yeah. getting into DFS to understand that, look, when you're first getting into it, we mentioned this on the pod the other night too, take your time, play the cash games, play the 50 fifties, live in that world for a while. You want to take that lineup because you love it. You want to throw a, you know, a dollar into a single entry tournament just for fun. Do that, but take your time, manage that bankroll. Uh, if you're a more experienced player, I, I look at a guy like Corbin as a, someone who might actually, you know, with a low percentage there, especially with that matchup against Cueto, as good as Cueto is, I look at this, you know, the way Patrick Corbin has pitched so far and the fact that, yeah, we don't know what he is and a lot of people don't. So if he gives you enough, you're talking about a situation where you can go ahead and stack some of those Cubs bats against Wainwright, stack some of these guys that we like already, some of these Milwaukee, uh, Colorado games that we have some of these early heat on. Let's get to some of the bats too while we're at it too. So let's, let's talk about the pitchers on the opposite end. Who are the pitchers that you're targeting against? win offenses today as we come on to the slate on Tuesday. <laughs> Patrick Corbin. Good debate well, is what it's all about, baby. That's uh, what I love it. I'm, I'm going to, well, actually I'm going to, there was, there was a stack that I thought would the Dodgers. Um, I think a lot of people are going to be on the Dodgers, how well they, you know, they're, they go goofy with, with Peterson getting the homers and Seager got a homer. Yeah. Anybody who's worried about Corey Seager, not playing opening day. Well, they, uh, you don't have to worry kids. No, he was okay. Him and yeah, Grandal were he, all right. I think he looked, they qualified. Yeah. yeah. Seager looked pretty good rounding the bases there on that, on that Homer Grandal. I think, you know, would, I know this is DFS, uh, but you know, he was a hot, uh, a riser in, in our seasonal, in our seasonal leagues. And so I, you know, the hard hit percentage is just off the chart with Grandal. And if, if it gets to a point where his price drops at any point this season, for whatever reason, He's just a go-to guy for me. With that, he just just when he hits the ball, he hits it really hard. So I'm never surprised when Grindal hits a home run. But the um, I think the uh, the Dodgers are going to be popular, coming off a great game, and they've got a pretty I don't know easy. You know, is there an easy matchup? I guess you know, relatively speaking, easy matchups. But uh, you know, the old word fade. You know, which, well, might as well mention the pitcher. The, you know, San Diego uh, putting on you know Clayton Richard on the mound, and left-handed pitcher in. It's in it's in it's in LA. LA is pretty good for homers. It's a pitcher's park, but you can hit homers. And when you're uh, when you're looking for your DFS <laughs> your DFS home run, I don't want to use the you know I don't want to use an analogy when I'm trying to make the point. When you're looking for a a big hit in DFS, you want the homer. So right. uh, when, you, when you're looking for a DFS home run, you want a home run. You see that wouldn't have made much sense. 
Uh, That's very zen of you. I like that. <laughs> yeah, I like very, it, Tom. Also That's very, <laughs> very confusing. Anyway, so the point being, uh, a lot of times people may be scared to stack in a pitcher's park. Well, first of all, the park is independent of the team that's playing in it. Uh, if the team has a good offense, they can score runs in a, in a pitcher's park. But the point being, if you're looking for a couple of homers, Dodger Stadium is one of those weird stadiums that is actually okay for homers but just keeps runs down. So, if you know, you can pick on a couple uh, Dodgers. You know, you, you're not going to go with Peterson because it's a lefty-on-lefty matchup. But to me, there were some Do- – people are going to go with the Dodgers. The one that I want, though – to be, you know, I haven't used this word for six months, contrarian, <laughs> to be nope. contrarian. And we're uh, back. And we're back. <laughs> to be contrarian, uh, the Giants going against Corbin. Uh, they're a grinding team. They don't strike out. We didn't choose to talk about it, but one of the reasons I don't like Corbin is you don't have that floor of, of getting strikeouts as a, a either cash or GP pitcher. He, the, the, the Giants just don't strike out. At least he didn't, at least he didn't last year. Uh, it's a good park. It's a huge park upgrade for San Francisco. There's an automatic bump when you're at home, so they lose the they lose the skills bump that the 10% skills bump being at home. So they're on the road, but the park Chase Field the desert should counterbalance that, and uh, that's why I would be going after some Giants. And they don't have they don't have the the the, the huge booming bat, so it's not my favorite stack either. Just because you want to get a couple homers out of your stack, but it's probably not going to cost you as much money so you can stack the giants and then you can, you know, use some standalone bombers to try to get those home runs that, that put you over the top. Now, Tyler Anderson, the lefty going yep. into a very heavy right-handed lineup with Milwaukee. Uh, I'm looking at that one too. I'm sure you are as well. And look, Milwaukee, one of the better offensive parks. Everybody always wants to talk about Colorado. Everyone always wants to talk about Cincinnati, but Milwaukee's right up there and they've got some thump there and there's some speed. There's a lot to like there in that lineup. Uh, I'd be looking at certainly pairing a couple of those bats together yeah. against the lefty yeah. Anderson. You in agreement on that one? Yeah, that's my, that would be another, uh, well, yeah, the other, I would, I don't mind using Anderson as a GP. That's the thing. I th- you know, on one hand, I think you can use Milwaukee bats. On the other hand, Anderson is a guy because there's a lot of swing and miss in that lineup too. There is. So that's that's but, the that's the downside yeah. of that lineup yeah. is the swing and miss. But but now that we've taken the outs out of <laughs> DFS basically here on the FanDuel site, I mean that that changes our perspective a little bit. Like you said, looking for the home run, playing for the home run when the outs don't count against you in the same way. Right, right. In negatives, it really changes the perception. Let's go to the corners a little bit here and talk to some of the first and third base. Uh, top of the board, Encarnacion, Goldschmidt, Rizzo, usual suspects there. Uh, as we go down, though, you get some of the guys like Ryan Healy, very productive. You get Mark Reynolds also coming off right. a hot start. Uh, some of those other guys there. So at first base, anybody really jump off the page to you right away? Uh, first base is a, as a position that I usually don't like to play with. I don't like to – I mean, I, you want to be contrarian. But I don't like to go off the chart necessarily first base because, you know, those were your really, really good players. Um, I don't know. Let's see. I'd probably stick with one of the top guys, at least at least early on. I, I don't, I'm not confident enough. See, I feel like Rizzo against Wainwright is a no-brainer right now. Yeah. I mean, if you're looking at cash games, I feel like, you know, for the couple hundred dollars you're going to save, uh, you know, normally I would be fine with the Goldschmidt play, but Cueto is that one guy in that rotation, you know, besides Bumgarner that I really would, you know, yeah. I just get a little hesitation there. Any of the other guys, I'm open to Goldschmidt there and paying up. I know Encarnacion had a good night tonight, too, went yard uh, as we're recording this not that long ago. But to me, I'm kind of looking at Rizzo. And, 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 you know, for me, Todd, I don't know about you, but, I mean, Wainwright to me is dead man walking until proven otherwise right now. 
Yeah, I uh, I don't want to say I'm not a fan because I'm a fan, I'm a fan of the player. I don't know the person just from what I've heard about the person. The fan, fan of the person. I'm a he fan played. of the player. He killed my New York Mets in 2006. I'll never forget it. That <laughs> curveball that he dropped in. I'm still whining and pissing and crying and moaning about it. But we all have to understand, you know, there's a certain level here where we hit. And I think Wainwright's hit it where – I think that's one where I'm going to go target against Adam Wainwright when he's out there. I mean, the man just, yeah. you know, couldn't seem to get anybody out last year. And I'll and yeah. I'll go and I'll go to the well with Bryant too. I would even pair those two guys together and not be hesitant at all in cash games going that route if you can afford to put them both in there. What about Arenado too? Another guy that you know outside of Colorado, so I think sometimes people forget just how good of a hitter he was outside right. of Colorado too. Right. Same thing with Charlie Blackman. Uh, you know, on that third base rung as well. Uh, there's any value plays? Is there a value play with a Bregman at home? Is there a value play for you? Uh, even possibly with a Travis Shaw, who is hitting cleanup in that order right now. I know it's well, lefty-lefty, yeah, but yeah, that's, that's, that's true. Yeah, we don't know yet. Mm-hmm. That's gonna, one of the things I tweeted out today was sit back, enjoy the games, don't get goofy about stats, but you know what? Pay attention to the batting order. And I don't know if Shaw will. I love Shaw this year in general. I don't know so much I love him. I'm curious how he's got, he's a guy I'm going to be using in DFS early because Milwaukee runs. He's not known as a speedster, but he, he has the ability to take advantage of the fact that the Brewers will run when they get off the bus. Right. Uh, so, uh, well, I mean, what are, and the other, I mean, we're going to talk. And it's tricky about, because Travis Shaw could be, like you're saying, we're all curious. Like he could be uh, an all-star, you know, fantasy steal of the year, or he yeah. could be Will Middlebrooks 2.0, as I keep calling him. Yeah. You, know, well, you just don't know at this point. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, yeah, I mean, the guy that I uh, – young know, Javis Salarte, I know, um, you know, you, you like Maeda. I'm picking on Maeda a little bit there. That's all right. Uh, hitting, well, that's the thing. I mean, that, that's part of what DFS is, is as far as – Cash versus uh, GPP thinking as well, but I Solarte, I you know one of the things with Maeda doesn't get deep into the games. The Dodgers got a good bullpen, but I don't. It's not to get really deep into that pen. Uh, Solarte could get some uh, platoon advantages, you know, throughout the entire game. He's a guy only uh, twenty seven hundred dollars, twenty seven hundred dollars on Fanduel. But if you're looking to fade third base a little bit, he's a guy I don't mind at all playing. Uh, looking a little bit down the list here. Uh, you know, the, the, the pricing is so, at, the, at least I find it, I don't know about you, I, I mean, I'm, I think the pricing is a little soft early. You don't Oh, have- the pricing, look, the pricing was incredibly soft for NFL on the FanDuel side. It's much looser than it's ever been, and it's carrying over to Major League Baseball in a big way. I, I can yeah, tell you right now, offensively too, and that's why I think you might have to work a little harder now on some of the cash games, and it's, it's going to, a lot of these late switch and these things that they've done, they've made it a little bit more user-friendly to the casual player, which I think is good. Right. Uh, it's a little frustrating to the, I'm sure, the seasoned DFS player a little right, bit, some right, of these changes, right. some of the looser aspects of things. But, you know, look, when you've, when you've got these guys that have power speed combinations, I'll tell you what, you know, if you want to talk about a player who ran out of the gate, I know had a big night already, but it's a guy that I think is going to have a, a huge impact this year. It's Carlos Correa. Uh, Iwakuma is a guy that was another one that struggled mightily last year. Yep, yep. Correa at home I think is a great value. See, if I'm looking to pay up for a position – I'm looking to pay up for shortstop because to me, I'm looking at it. You don't have Trey Turner in there this, this late. Mm-hmm. You've got Correa, you got Seager. Seager is going to be hot too, right off that hot start uh, story. You have outside of Colorado, which is another one that I don't like to play around with because although he makes outs, he makes a ton of outs mm-hmm. <laughs> and he doesn't make yeah. a lot of productive ones. That's right. my problem with him. But Correa is the one for me that I think is, if I'm going to pay up in cash game for a shortstop, that's the way I'm going uh, over on second base though. Let's slide over there. If we can, before we head out to the outfield, uh, 
when you're looking at this group, you have the names like Odor, who clearly big game out of the block again. I mean, that's a hard thing. I mean, some of these guys, big games out of the block. How much do you, I mean, you're a baseball guy first and foremost. How much do you put in stock-wise to guys getting hot, guys seeing the ball well right out of the gate? Because we know baseball is a game of streaks more than any other game possible. How much stock do you put into that in the daily game of the guy who's on a hot streak, whether it's, you know, right out of the gate or whether we're talking August, July, it's hot streaks, a hot streak is a hot streak. Uh, I put nothing into it, to be honest with you. Uh, hot streak is a hot streak, but it's also, we don't know when it's going to end and we don't know when it's going to begin. The data shows that, in other words, it's not predictive. Now, when a guy could truly be hot, we just don't know that it's not going to end that next day. Right. So, I mean, or he's hot just because, you know what drives me somewhat, somewhat nuts is when a guy, they, a player is deemed hot, but he just had three, you know, soft righty on lefty matchups in a row and in a good park. So it wasn't so much that he's hot. He just had favorable matchups and, and did what he was supposed to do during those matchups. So I'm sure it'll come up because I'm sure there'll be players that you'll ask about, you know, are you on this guy because, you know, he's, he's on a five-game hitting streak or hit homers in four of the past five games. I actually, when I do play a big GPP, those are the guys, I'll use those to fade just because I assume other guys will be on them. I, I go by the matchup. And I know that, you know, we all feel better during certain parts of the year. So these hot streaks, I'm not saying they're not real. And I'm going to probably tell you this a lot of, you know, in the next whatever, 25 weeks that we do this, I'm probably going to use this. We're going to get real close, Todd. We're yeah. going to get real yeah. cozy. I'm not, you and me. It's going to be great. I'm not, I'm not going to say that hot streaks, I'm not going to say that DVP isn't real. I'm going to say it's not predictive. Well, that's, I, I, I would, I would certainly difference. agree. Well, that's the beauty of baseball. We have a million yeah. things to measure it, and yet it's so unpredictable. And, you know, we can generate and project and all that stuff within, you know, certain small percentage points of what a guy's going to do. Yet the beauty of this game is the lack of predictability, which is very different from the NBA uh, and different from NFL to a certain standpoint because of the volume aspect of NFL that you see week to week. I would say it's second base, too, for 3,100 in terms of value. Uh, you got Brad Miller and you got Carpenter there. I think those are, uh, excuse me, Brad Miller and Ben Zobrist. I think those are two guys there that I really like in terms of return value. Miller offers a lot of power. Zobrist is a guy great on base percentage hitting in the middle of that order. If you're going to decide to go stack Cubs, make sure Zobrist is a part of it because of where he hits in that order. But also the fact that this is a guy that offered a lot of power last year, but he's going to be on base on base leads to fill in that box score. And as you can tell, baseball is here. So don't get stranded out of first base without a Rotowire subscription. And certainly don't miss out on this great offer. Make your first deposit on FanDuel today and you'll get a free six-month Rotowire subscription. Go to FanDuel.com slash Rotowire to claim it. You must be a new FanDuel user in order to be eligible. So users may only establish one account on FanDuel. That's FanDuel.com slash Rotowire. So let's head out to the outfield, Todd, here and take a look. We always know the top of the board here, uh, 49 for Trout, but big drop-off from the top guy to the rest of them. Braun Blackman, only 4K. So that's a $900 discount to go down yeah. to Charlie Blackman. And I look at Charlie Blackman this year as kind of that poor man's Trout. He dealt with the toe injury last year. That kind of stilted the speed, but the power was real. The splits on the road were terrific. He's playing in Milwaukee, another one that's a good matchup, good ballpark. We talked about it earlier. Is he a really nice fade if you don't want to go to the very top for Trout? Absolutely. Now, he uh, – actually, Blackman, you know, you know, mixing a little seasonal. I think there was some – and you kind of alluded to it for the road. There were some people that maybe were a little bit off of him and afraid he was going to get traded. I was more concerned that Cargo gets traded than, than, than Blackman because I thought he'd be pretty darn good no matter where he plays. 
that power speed combination. And to be honest, not to be honest, uh, you know, people may not realize that Miller Park is actually better for left-handed power than Coors Field. Right. Now you score more runs in Coors Field. Again, that's one of those park factor quirks. Uh, you know, there's, been, there's just so much more room for the ball to go in. And a bigger outfield too. Yeah, but well, that, that's, that's, yeah. that's, that's right. the thing. A lot of these, you know, actually a you know, great American ballpark, uh, Miller and, and, and uh, PNC, not PNC, uh, CBB, Citizens Bank, all can hit homers. And see, Yankee Stadium too. Yankee Stadium is played as a pitcher's park with respect to runs. It's, you know, it's a home run launching pad. The reason, as you just alluded to, when a fly ball doesn't clear the fence, if you've got a decent outfielder, it's caught. And that's, that, that keeps the, the, you know, pumps the outs out and keeps runners off base. So you can hit, you know, you don't necessarily want to go for a stack in Yankee Stadium to try to get a bunch of runs. Actually, the better way to say it is you don't want to avoid using a pitcher in Yankee Stadium, especially if he's a ground ball pitcher. Because if, if it's already, you know, keeping the ball, uh, if, if he's already reducing the homers because of the ground ball, the, the few that do leave the park, you know, or to get into the outfield, get caught. So don't be afraid to use a pitcher in Yankee Stadium or in Cincinnati or in Philadelphia or in Milwaukee because these parks aren't as bad for runs as you may think. But anyway, as far as Blackman goes, yeah, I would be uh, I would be on. You know, I don't even know that I need to look up who's pitching for Milwaukee. It's Zach Davies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, that's Zach the thing. Davies. You can always rest assured that you could just look at the yeah. Padres, look at Milwaukee. Yeah. Uh, there's a few out there, a few rotations that are, I mean, even Cincinnati to a certain extent, at least in the early going until yeah. guys like Reed and Garrett prove that, you know, right. they are more than just a little bit of a uh, marked madness in terms of what they can bring. And spring is great. Let's see if you could do it on the big league level. I have high hopes for both of them, especially for Amir Garrett. But, I mean, we must temper our expectations because pitching in the, you know, Pitching in the Cactus League is not the same as pitching in Great American Ballpark. That's a whole right. other thing. Right, now, right. I, I keep coming back to the Cubs, and, and I'm going to keep harping on it because now we got Kyle Schwarber hitting leadoff yep. today. And that left-handed bat against Wainwright, I'm going to keep picking on Adam Wainwright. That's the theme of the podcast today. That's where I want to go. I'm just yep. going to keep doing it. And your thoughts on Kyle Schwarber, the big man, hitting leadoff. You like this play for the Cubs? I mean, clearly it's not going to be the case when there's a lefty on the mound. But for right now, with the righties there, I mean – it's hard to argue. <laughs> so I'm a, I'm a, I, yeah, I'm, I don't say old school guy because the old school guy puts the fast guy that can run. I believe in the OBP, and I'm, I got no issues putting Schwarber up there because that's why he's there. He's got the pop, but he also has a decent eye. I'm all right. You know, the, the Cubs, they're not, they don't play station to station ball. So, you know, they, they're not going to ask the number two hitter to bunt him on over and then, you know, the ne- next guy try dink a single in the right field. They're, you know, they, they get on base, they move the line, and they, you know, they get enough power to, to knock the guy home. So I'm fine with Schwarber. And I, I think the same way with Santana on the, uh, on the Indians. I, they were talking about that on the broadcast tonight about comparing the two and the, the big OBP. You know, so maybe they get a lot of solo homers, more so for Schwarber than, uh, than, than Santana just because of the league. But that's fine. That runs a runs a run, right? But, Absolutely. Um, yeah, not, not against it at all. I don't, I don't – I think that – I think some of the expectations for Schwarber may be a little bit high. I mean, we're looking at a game-by-game basis. We're looking at the matchup. I think season-long people may be uh, over overdrafting, but that also might be because it might get catch rail. I gotta, I gotta stop doing these non non DFS drop-ins. But anyway, uh, <laughs> so, so the point being, um, yeah, walks are good even in DFS. Some of the point scoring systems, you can score some runs. The, and especially if you have a stack, it gets you. It gets your next. If he if he does walk, it gets your next hitter up, which is what you want. Now let's get a little value out of the outfield too. We got Kevin Kiermeyer at three thousand, Chris Davis at three thousand, uh, and Domingo Santana at twenty nine. I think all those guys 
offer value and can help you mm -hmm. line up builders between those three is there one that you really like more than the other all right then again let's host chris davis chris davis kevin kiermeyer and domingo santana all guys all, certainly power listed there kiermeyer gives you a little yeah. bit of that power speed combination too got off to a good start the other day and look chris davis against shoemaker that's another rotation that angels rotation to me there's a lot of offense to be had on the opposite end of going against them and chris I davis like last year at 42 yeah. I think Santana's my GPP play because he's got the power going against the lefty in that park. And Kiermaier, uh, as long as he continues to hit towards the top of the order, and it looks like the Rays are going to run, and he'll, I, 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 I like I, I that with Sabathia though. So I don't know that I want a lefty against Sabathia. I want all the I want all I want all the righties. I don't I don't know if I want a lefty against CC. And that's and that's one thing to keep in mind too. And always and for everyone listening there too, when you when you're looking at splits and doing less, make sure you go. Don't just assume necessarily some guys can hit lefties. I remember uh, I think it was last year or the year before where Anthony Rizzo was just crushing left-handed pitching, and people would just ignore him against lefties. And I'm saying, guys, the Anthony Rizzo of the past is gone. They struggled against lefties. This guy had a thousand OPS the other year against left-handed pitching. So don't always necessarily just see those splits and just focus off. Dig deeper if it's a guy that you like because you might be surprised in what you find there. Uh, so, Todd, where can everybody follow you on Twitter all year? Uh, just my name, T-O-D-D-Z-O-L-A. Just real quick, I know we're a little short on time. Just uh, Maybe what we can do is we'll pick out a topic at the beginning of each podcast to sort of focus on before we nail the players because you're talking about splits. is a, a, a big, I don't know, mistake in the industry as far as how to look at splits, reverse splits and whatnot. So maybe what we'll do is between the two Ooh, of us come up with tease. a – we're yeah, going to we'll do that. With, yeah. We'll come up with you know, a, a short fight because people want to know who to play tomorrow. But I think they also want to learn how to fish a little bit. So I the beginning it. of each podcast, let's come up with a topic and, you know, and then that way, you know, I don't have to keep dropping them in when we talk about players. We can just focus strictly on the players. But Sounds then, good. We'll talk reverse splits and, and how they're uh, maybe not as, as actionable as people think. Anyway, Todd Zola, T-O-D-D-Z-O-L-A. Uh, I, I don't often answer questions, but I usually, um, you know, there's, there's places to find me on the Masters Ball Forum. If you want any road, you know, I, I realize there's more than RotoWire people listening to this, but if you're a RotoWire subscriber, you got a question for me, drop it into any one of my columns. I don't care if it doesn't pertain to the actual column itself. You know, I don't, I don't write DFS in the site. If you have a DFS question, figure out, find any one of my columns, you know, be nice if you read it and then drop the question <laughs> in there. And I'll, I answer any questions that are like directed to me on my own site, Masters Ball or in the RotoWire forum. And we will definitely talk theory. I know everyone's excited to get in there and play. We're going to definitely do theory at the top of next week with you, Todd. I want to talk BVP with you, too. We're going to have some great debates, some great information all year round here with RotoWire. So for Todd Zola, I'm Joe Pizzapia. We'll be back with you again this week. Happy DFS, everybody. Go make some money. Go have some fun.